0: Hey, everybody, this is Brett. And this is Christian. And you're listening to the Gilded Films Podcast
1: Acting Edition Part 2. welcome back dear listeners to our gilded films podcast acting edition yes if you have been listening we spoke the last time about our favorite supporting acting performances uh brett and i are here as always with another exciting list neither of us know what either's list is going to entail so uh yeah hello brett
0: hello how's it going
1: it's going good how was your holidays
0: it was it was very nice. I'm ready to get back into the swing of things. We had the Golden Globes last night, and so everything is just coming out at once. Best of the decade, top 10 of 2019 coming soon, all this fun stuff. So I'm all for it. But yeah, like Christian said, we will be counting down our top 10 favorite leading acting performances this last decade. This is what our fourth in a series of best of the 2010s and our penultimate episode. So keep an eye out. After this, we'll have our top 10 of 2019 leading into our top 10 films of the decade, which is really exciting. Um, as always, thanks for tuning in. Follow, rate, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen. Thanks to everybody who has been tuning into us um, as we head into 2020. Thanks for everybody that's been in on the Twitter polls and active there. Things are really starting to heat up, so it's a fun time.
1: And I would like to say that we actually do have a rating on the iTunes for once.
0: Yes. And a couple reviews, I believe as well.
1: Do we? I'm going to go look now. But yes, thank you to those people who have done that. That's super nice of y'all.
0: Yeah, for real. That helps out big time. Um, Helps people kind of discover it. And we always like to have new listeners and whatnot. So thank you for those of you who have done that for us. Okay. So we're going to just dive right in, counting down our top 10. Um, I'll go ahead and lead us off this time with my number 10 coming from the year 2011, Viola Davis for The Help. Kind of interesting. You know, Viola Davis was my number one supporting performance for a role that may or may not have been lead, Uh, but her other big performance that she was Oscar nominated for from this decade, my number 10, as far as leading performances. Um, you know, this is really one that I think she should have won the Oscar for. When I think back on The Help, you know, it's not a perfect movie. It has, has its issues. I think she even said that she regretted playing mm-hmm. this role at one point. Um, which I can understand, but at the same time that doesn't hamper how great she is in this performance. We talked about a lot about pain and heartbreak in the previous episode and I guess that is just a trend that's going to continue here because that's what you get a lot of with this performance, but also a lot of hope as well. Um, She's got a few scenes. I mean, every movie that goes up for the Oscars usually has at least one big Oscar scene. I think she had at least three in this movie. You know, you have the scene where she's talking about the death of her son, um, the mistreatment that came because of that. You have the final scene where she um, confronts Bryce Dallas Howard and that godless woman, you godless this one, Miss Hilly. It's great. She's really great. She's very fierce and very, um, at times, actually very quiet, despite those scenes where she kind of lets loose and has those really memorable scenes and very heartbreaking stuff. But also, once again, very hopeful. She ends with a line that, you know, her son always said they'd have a writer in the family, and I guess it had to be me. Um, so really, actually, pretty inspiring stuff as well. But my number 10, one of the best performers of the decade viola davis for the help
1: okay when you said number 10 viola davis i was like all ready to talk about it and i made this list almost a month ago that um turns out i will save my thoughts on this one
0: all right all right
1: i forgot my entire list isn't that fun very fun so okay so my number 10 is going to be An Academy Award winner for Best Actress, it is Brie Larson in Room. Yes, she plays Ma. Uh, Her real name is Joy Newsome, but we really only know her as Ma because it's told from her son's point of view. Um, Rewatching this a year ago, I haven't seen it since, but oh my gosh, it sticks in my mind a lot because it is such a painful performance for her. She's been through so much. Um, If you've never seen the film... It's about a young woman who gets kidnapped. She is imprisoned in pretty much a shed, aka room. She there has a child, and they live their life in the room until one day they can escape. Well, obviously, she has some PTSD from all of this. You see that come out through Brie Larson's character. You really get to understand why she is so upset with the world right now. It's sort of like that feeling of, did you come and try and find me? Did anybody want to help search for me? I was in a backyard this whole time. All while her son is just trying to live this whole new life that he's never lived before. Outside of a room. Um, But yeah, Brie Larson, I really love this performance. She has some great moments, especially with Jack. That's the kid. um, In the room, especially when they're trying to escape. And she has a really good performance with her mother, just explaining how she feels outside. But it's a very sad role, I must say. You get very sad watching it, but you have to understand what the hell's happened to this girl for her whole life, pretty much.
0: Yeah. It's really interesting to think now. I mean, Brie Larson now is is Captain Marvel. She's Mm -hmm. pretty huge now. She's She's hosting for Jimmy Kimmel Live. At this time, you know, she was not, I mean, she was, more of an indie darling i mean from short term 12 she was in the jump street movies and this was a really cool breakout for her um a really like kind of an underdog best actress win for her kind of coming out of nowhere with that performance after it premiered at was it tiff i think it won the audience award there and Mm -hmm. kind of took off from there so very nice
1: i remember seeing it because I had read the book too, and I was like, I was, as you know, Brett. I love Jacob Tremblay's performance in this movie <laughs> as well as Brie Larson. So they're just both good, but I'm there. I like rooted for Brie the whole Oscar season. Damn it, that girl won.
0: Yeah, her, her, her in that movie versus Saoirse in Brooklyn. Not really a competition because Brie basically like took over the whole thing. But really good head to head in my book. So.
1: As the Carol audience is like, oh, hey, I guess.
0: I love Cate Blanchett. Uh, Rooney Marsh should have also been a lead for Carol. That's the thing. You know, that is definitely a lead performance, but whatever. Great performances there, too. Okay. My number nine is coming from the year 2012, a year we've covered in the podcast. And this is Daniel Day-Lewis for Lincoln. A little surprise in your face, probably surprised he's a little he's so low. I was actually um,
1: thinking of another movie.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. Well, um, I don't know, Daniel Day Lewis. I've said it before: biopic performances for me, like they're not as special for me as I think they are for a lot of people. I'm always much more impressed by taking a character from the ground up um, and kind of building that as opposed to portraying a figure, a real life figure that doesn't mean there aren't great performances like that. Daniel day Lewis being one of them. I mean, he pretty much now symbolizes what I think of when I think of Abraham Lincoln with the voice, you know, a lot of people didn't expect the high pitched voice, his mannerisms, the way he walks. He just fully embodied this performance. He disappeared into the role. It's something we hear a lot. You can say it physically. You can say it emotionally. He does it all here. Um, a lot of really great scenes, but honestly, it's not really about the big scenes with this performance for me. It's just like even the small little subtle roles that he has throughout this, um, he always lights up the screen. Like you're always wanting him to come back and he's on the screen most of the time. But when he's not, I want him to come back. Um, so, yeah, Daniel Day-Lewis, very well. I mean, that was a loaded year for best actor, but it, it is a deserved Oscar win. Um from really good year so daniel day lewis my number nine for lincoln
1: i will save my thoughts
0: oh wow here we go yeah it
1: begins (laughs) um so for my number nine i actually have something that i don't think you would have thought about and if you did wow great minds think alike but it is um for sandra bullock in gravity Oh, okay. What did you think I was going to say? The yeah. blind side? No, because that's a different decade. <laughs> a different decade. <laughs> anyway, so this is the time when Sandra is post-blind side. She's doing more roles that are a little bit less comedic, as she was known, and a little bit more you know, drama-centered. Really sort of, this is her second Academy Award nomination. I personally think she should have won for this as well. She panics most of the movie, but it's a panic that you can't help but feel sorry for. Again, with a character that you're feeling sorry for. In this case, she's trapped in space. She, for the better half of the second half of the movie, is all alone. And you see her struggle to survive. I did a whole paper. I did five papers on this movie in terms of the sound quality of it. But when you're also dealing with sound, you have to deal with her because there's a lot of her heavy breathing and her just Mm -hmm. panicking. And you panic along with her. Because for that whole movie, and if you haven't seen it yet, I mean, you're living under a rock. But for that whole movie, you are with her in the little ships, in the space stations, fighting for survival. I mean, this is a much better performance than The Blind Side. Again, she should have won the Oscar. It's very subtle, I will say. It's not as flashy. There's not like... I mean, I I wouldn't say that Daniel Day-Lewis, your number nine, is a flashy role but it's a quiet role because she has nobody else to talk to. She has George Clooney for the good 30, 40 minutes. And then after that, she has herself to talk to. And that's it. And we just watch her. And I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. And that movie gave me anxiety the first time I saw it too.
0: (laughs) That movie is like, I think it made my list of like top 10 theater experiences ever. Because I was having a bad day, went to go see this. It's the only movie that I've actually like really loved in 3D. Like I actually preferred to see it in 3D. Uh, but yeah, she was awesome. She was one of the things that I like wasn't expecting to be that great when I was going in. I mean, I love Sandra Bullock, but you know, I was going in for the visuals and whatnot, and she delivers this really awesome, isolated performance. That I'm glad she got the nomination. Tough with Kate. Blanchett in that category but yeah that's a really good pick i didn't expect that one but that's Mm -hmm. definitely her best performance so
1: and my favorite part in that too again if you haven't seen it i'm spoiling things but it is when she is pretty much on the last little space shuttle to send her back to earth where she's just talking about things and just like i have the will to survive let's do this if i die i die it's just again her talking to herself and just going for it and yeah. then everything, she just has to brace herself for impact. Yep,
0: it's powerful. Yeah. Very much so. All right. Well, my number eight is a performance from this year, 2019. One that I'm like, fingers crossed that this performance gets an Oscar nomination. It is Lupita Nyong'o for Us. Yeah, a- another actress making both of my lists. She was, I don't know, like my number seven supporting performance, but she is amazing in this role. I mean, she is terrifying when she does that little laugh, when she's portraying the tethered, whatever, see the movie. um, When she does that little laugh, it is just like, it gives me chills just thinking about it. And yeah, she's got those big open eyes and she's staring into everybody's souls. And honestly, she gave, Not only the best performance of this year, but the two best performances of this year by playing um, Adelaide and Red, the tethered kind of clone going on here. Really, Lupita Nyong'o is phenomenal. We didn't need this movie to prove that, but it proved it once again and expanded her, um, her talents even further. Really awesome horror performance that... I was so worried about being ignored completely this award season, but she's picked up a lot of critics wins, SAG nom, critics choice nom, I believe. And so I'm glad to see her getting attention for it. And I hope it goes all the way to Oscar because this is the best performance I've seen this year. Lupita Nyong'o and Us.
1: It also proves that she can be a leading lady.
0: Yes, because exactly.
1: First, she has been around since 2013 in acting roles, and this is her first damn leading performance. Yep. Very underused. Wow. And then finally, she gets a role that w- was released in March. And here we are talking about it in awards consideration almost a year later.
0: Yeah. I mean, this makes you think like she's got to win at least one more Oscar, right? Maybe not for this role, but I mean, she delivers an Oscar winning performance in her first role ever. Mm-hmm. Comes back, gets her first leading role, delivers, in my opinion, an even better performance. But she's not getting the credit for it because it's a horror film. Mm-hmm. I mean, if that wasn't a horror film, she'd be winning everything. I'm, I guarantee it.
1: Yeah. But I mean, yeah. two great. I mean, she's giving, like you said, two amazing, terrifying performances. One is terrifying on a human level. And the other, of course, is terrifying on a doppelganger level. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which, again, if you haven't seen the movie, definitely check this out because... There's something, I don't know. It's like, especially the last scene, which I won't spoil because it's so new. It's something to do with her expression, though. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you have a good performance when you can understand the emotions conveyed in the expressions and you know what her character is saying. I won't say yeah. which character is saying what. but ooh.
0: It's chilling. It is. Ugh, I like that. Oh, yeah. All right, let's hear your number eight. My number eight
1: was mentioned. It is Daniel Day-Lewis in Lincoln.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So if you're a faithful listener out there, you have heard our 2012 podcast where we talked about this in depth. Uh, So this will be very brief. But yes, I like this performance a lot. Again, the movie for me is, it's fine. It's not the most exciting thing ever. The performance literally is where it's at. Love Me a Melancholy President, who... We think of him as this big giant ginormous godlike figure in American politics, in American life and culture. But Daniel Day Lewis plays him as a melancholy, reluctant, everyday man who's just wanting the best for the country that he has, torn apart by war. And yeah. I don't know. It's just it's a subtle performance. Oddly enough, again, mm-hmm. godlike figure. Subtle performance. And Daniel Day-Lewis, not even an American, delivers one of the best American-themed performances. Yes. So, I i mean, we haven't had many presidential movies as of recently, but this is one for the books. Because, I mean, there used yeah. to be a bajillion back in like the 30s and 40s. We don't get it anymore. We'll probably get them right. coming up because certain presidents are very movie-worthy. <laughs> that's not a here nor there
0: very much so i like that the the presidential movies we have seen are not like full sweeping presidency or life tales i mean you got lincoln you've got the two barack obama movies about his college days and his first date with michelle those are nice you know we don't need the entire thing we don't Um, need
1: the life story
0: yeah exactly
1: because this even lincoln is just like a little slice of particular moment through his presidency it's not the whole thing right it's in the middle we're thrown into the middle of it all exactly
0: much more effective okay my number seven is from another performance from 2012 it is jennifer lawrence in silver linings playbook you knew this was coming
1: this is what i was thinking for the 2012 and the last one
0: (laughs) i mean Jennifer Lawrence, we've said again. We talked about this one in the podcast as well. There's a lot of debate about whether she should have won this. You know, there was Jessica Chastain, Zero Dark Thirty, Emmanuel Riva for a more, both really good performances, but Jennifer Lawrence is just awesome in this movie, taking both the dramatic side, dealing with the issues of uh, mental illness, but also being actually funny. You know, even when her character isn't trying to be funny, she's very funny at times and just very vibrant and lively. And even when, you know, in normal situations, something like that, like that may be like very annoying or off-putting. She is so charismatic and fun to watch. And so Jennifer Lawrence is already popular before this because of the Hunger Games, but this really propelled her as a, an actress to really be taken seriously um her second oscar nomination after winter's bone i think it's still her best performance um definitely not one that i think is usually gonna win awards like that because of how comedic it is at times um but i love it so much this is why i watch this movie all the time and she's great so Hmm.
1: all right well she didn't make my list but i'm I don't know if I'm surprised or not that she's on here because I know how much you like the movie and like love the performance. So I can agree. Yeah. No, it is her best performance, I will say. I'm trying to think if I've seen anything as of recent that I really love her in. And it all goes back to Silver Linings Playbook. Yeah. And I think we talked about this in the other podcast, but it's there were so many people up for this like character, but it's her that I only see ever playing this. Yeah. Like you said, she's perfect in the dramatic parts of it, the comedic parts of it. Again, you feel for her in certain scenes. You kind of are annoyed by her in certain scenes. But like it all comes together and she's a delightful character when really she's a, I will say she's a delightful asshole.
0: Yes. Let's say that. It's like you see her and she's like, I don't know if I would even be friends with that person, but at the same time, I can see why Bradley Cooper fell in love with her.
1: Yeah, they're made for each other. Weird yeah. relationship, but a relationship. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: All right, let's hear your number seven.
1: All right, my number seven. Um, again, I won't say it's a very flashy performance, it feels like a very down to earth human performance where you could know this person. But it is Sheer Sharonan and Ladybird. Yes. There Love you it. go, as Christine Ladybird McPherson. Uh, performance again like I said you could know this person I have people I know who is like that's me and my mom that movie we talked about how good Lori Metcalf is in this film but Shersha Ronan also just like knocks it out of the park she's again like the Jennifer Lawrence situation she's good in the dramatic parts she's good in the brief funny parts but you wanted I want to be friends with Lady Bird I'm the Beanie Feldstein character who wants to be friends with her But then they break up for that brief moment. But then she comes back and is like, you know what? Fuck being popular. I just want to be friends with my friend. And this is the whole crying situation. But the part that gets me is the dressing room scene, which we might have spoke about this when we spoke about Laurie Metcalf. But it's Lady Bird asking if her mom likes her. Mm -hmm. I I know that Laurie Metcalf really takes the reins at the tail end of that scene. But it's just asking, do you like me? And it's just like, why would you ask that to your mother? She's supposed to like you. She loves you, but does she like you? Like, holy shit. And then it comes back later on when she's reading the letter and then calls her mom. And it's like, ugh, this is why. Yeah. Yeah. Like her college experience, maybe she should have had a little better relationship with her mom in the end of it all. She was too obsessed with trying to be popular at the last part of her high school career. And she is Sharon and God love her. Oh.
0: Is there a more, I, I should say this, there are a few actors working today that are just as consistent as Sears Sharonan is, mm-hmm. like consistently great, like every time they're in a movie.
1: Ooh, and I just remember the part two where she's writing up how much she would owe her mother and father, like when she gets to work Yes. With and she's so pissed off, but that's like another heart. There's so many heartbreaking moments in this for like a movie that I said, you could know this woman, like this young girl.
0: Right. You can really sense the the relationship that Greta Gerwig and Saoirse Ronan must have had because of the way that Saoirse really captures this largely autobiographical portraits mm-hmm. um, for Gerwig. And obviously we have them to now this year in Little Women too. Um, yeah, I love that. I will say... I had that at number 10 on my list. Watched the Viola Davis scenes today or yeah, earlier today and made a last minute. but yeah, she's right there. Right there. I know.
1: (laughs) Okay. But honestly, you're right about how consistent her performances are. Because is this was labor her last film before this year
0: or I guess 2019. Yeah. She might've had like a smaller one within there some point but yeah her first her last big one yeah yeah perhaps. no 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 mary, mary queen of scots mary queen of scots which i didn't see well so,
1: but <laughs> awkward <laughs> okay so ignoring mary queen of scots yes yeah, she is I forgot about that one I mean, you have smaller performances from her from like moonrise uh, not moonrise kingdom oh my god same director grand budapest yes wow same director um but like you love brooklyn Performance is mm-hmm. she's also very, very great and I love that film. Um, and then you have Lady Bird and then of course recently Little Women, which have you seen it yet at the time of this recording?
0: This week. This week. I gotta catch it before our top ten of twenty nineteen one.
1: Oh how dare you. Well <laughs> But yeah, Cher Sharon, I mean, one day she will win herself an Oscar and it'll be that shining, glorious moment that everybody will be waiting for.
0: Yeah. It's gotta happen.
1: There was like that brief moment, I think, everybody thought it was going to be for Lady Bird. But.
0: Yeah, that was just such a tight race between her and... It wasn't a tight race. I mean, Francis had it locked up, but yeah. her and Sally Hawkins was great that year. Oh, what a year. Okay, my number six. Yet another person who made both my lists. I mean, some actors just really put it out there this, this decade. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio Four the Wolf of Wall Street. Oh, thank the Lord. <laughs> yeah, I, he should have won for this, honestly. I mean, I watched a video this year as I was following the Oscars in 2013 um, when this film came out. And there was this guy saying, I don't get why Leo is getting all this love. This is just a very loud performance. All he's doing is shouting. It is a loud performance. He does do a lot of shouting but it's more so about his energy. I mean, he is so energetic throughout this entire thing. And he's one of those, like he is the perfect anti-hero in this film because he is, becomes, he starts out decent, goes bad to the bone, but is still so like charismatic. Like not that I like him, but I can't help but just watch him and all this shit he's doing. He's a scumbag. He is, he really is. He is the one of the biggest douchebags I've ever seen in a movie, Jordan Belfort. Um, But you know, I think Leo and Marty were both aware of that. And it's just like, all right, we know that let's have some fun with this. And boy, did they, Mm -hmm. I mean, this film is three hours long. It doesn't feel over long to me. Um, Leo just gives it his all the entire time. You think about the scene where he's like giving the big speech and he's like beating himself on the head with the microphone who thinks of that? I, that he, it's wild. But then the best scene of them all, in my opinion, is a scene with the Quaaludes
1: <clears> where he
0: is like trying to get into the car. He thinks he's successful, makes it back to, you know, Jonah Hill's character. Physical acting. That is a really underrated aspect of Leo's game, and he puts it on full display in that scene. He's awesome. He's hilarious in this movie. We've talked about how Leo is actually a pretty great comedic actor. and He should do more of that. And I think this is the best example of that. So the Wolf of Wall Street, my number six, Leo.
1: I didn't have him on my list. However, I on Letterboxd, I created a much larger 25 list. Mm. (laughs) He lands here at number 18 for me. So I mean, he still made a list for me. I have a fun story. And it was that I took an acting class around this time that the movie came out. And my final performance was from a play that was about a businessman. And he has a scene where he's in front of like investors saying, here's why I need to be part of this, why you need to invest in me. And I'll never forget when I went up there for like the rehearsal part of this, did my thing. The professor was like dead silent. And then she was like, so did you like the Wolf of Wall Street, Christian? yes (laughs) like I wasn't trying to be like Jordan Belfort in this but at the same time that movie was very inspiring for me at the tail end of 2013 beginning of 2014 yeah so thank you Leo but no it is a very fun role Marty and Leo are having the time of their damn lives with this one it's a party movie told through Wall Street banking that's the fun that's the weird aspect of it all very interesting Like it's, would I trust him with my money? He's charismatic enough that why not?
0: (laughs) He could probably convince us.
1: He could. He could sell you a pen.
0: (laughs) Because you need it. All right. Let's hear your number six. All
1: right. My number six is, let's see, the only one from 2019. So last year. Do you know what it is?
0: oh oh yes i i have an idea took me a minute
1: it is adam driver in marriage story boom yeah brett knows how much i love this performance i'm like still wishing and hoping and praying that he wins an oscar for this uh but no adam driver in marriage story he plays charlie barber a theatrical director who is going through a divorce it is told, of course, from both sides, from Scarlett Johansson's performance, but it is his performance that you can't but help love. And I asked my mom when we watched this, whose side do you pick? And I know it's at times you're not supposed to ask this, because both of them sort of have their own issues. Both of them you can't support, but she would always pick his side. And I think it's because he gets really shafted in most of this. There's a whole issue with like who gets custody of the kid, Will he have to move from New York to California? But it's such, again, a subtle, nuanced performance that it feels like I would know this person. And I think that's like the common thing for my my personal picks here, is that if I knew this person, I would probably want to be on their side, be friends with them, and care about them the most. The best scenes mm-hmm. he has, and if you haven't seen Marriage Story, please, please go out and see it. I keep recommending it to people for whatever reason, especially a lot of married people. I recommend it to a <laughs> <laughs> I know, weird. But the best thing that he has is, of course, the argument scene, which a lot of people have been, oh, they're just actors, They're supposed to scream. Believe me, it gets intense on his part. That, like, damn, maybe I would divorce this man. But also, <laughs> he has a song moment where he sings. And I know that the song was not picked by Adam Driver. It was picked by Noah Bombach for this film. But you believe so much in this song and listen closely. It's telling his whole perspective of that movie through this one iconic moment. And it's just, I love this performance so much. I was blown away because I saw it at a screening. So I got to see it in theaters and I started crying in a couple moments that he gives. Mm -hmm. I mean, I love Scarlett Johansson in this, but it's him who's like the top, of the game for me. And I think like you love Lupita and us in this past year. I think Adam driver is my favorite performance of all of last year.
0: Yeah. He's definitely my honorable mentions. I mean, I've, I've always liked Adam driver, but this one was just like next level. Um, The scenes you mentioned are great. My favorite scenes are when he reads the letter at the end. It's heartbreaking heartbreaking stuff. Heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. And uh, the box cutter scene, or the knife scene, uh, <laughs> that scene <that's>, scared me. <laughs> that scene is great, but yeah, it, it it is. It's it's like strangely frightening. But yeah, can't argue with that pick. Adam Driver, he really should win. I mean, I I would love to see it, but alas, we'll see.
1: Brett knows how much I love this performance because I I think of it every day.
0: Yeah, I don't know why it took me... It's because the like, first thing that popped in my head was Shao Shuston. And I was like, no, 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 she's supporting. She's supporting. supporting. Who's supporting? Lead? I, <laughs> but yeah, very much so. Okay, moving into our top five. My number five is from 2016. Probably not a surprise to you once again. From Manchester by the Sea, it is Casey Affleck. Can't stand Casey Affleck as a person. Oh. But man... What a performance though. I mean, I can't can't argue about how great he is here. Once again, pretty quiet performance. He's a very quiet person throughout this film. Quiet. I think like yeah, like quiet. I think that's part of the reason I loved it because we see so many performances that get attention because that, you know, even when they're quiet performances they have they're like loud bits where there's a shouting or a deep crying scene there's a little bit of that here too but it's still restrained the entire time for affleck's performance but that does not stop you whatsoever from seeing the pain that he's feeling inside from the stuff that has happened to him with his kids the situation he's put in because his brother has just died it's a really it is a sad movie um but he is so much. His character is so worth following. Um, Affleck, he just nails it. He nails it. He does never goes too far, but he always says just enough to kind of reel you in and want you to want you to follow this, um, make you want to. And the scene, obviously, the scene in the police station is just killer, heartbreaking. But the scene near the end, when he's with Pat, and I think what he says is, "I can't beat it. I can't beat it." And it's a soft delivery, but wow, what a moment. I I, I gave myself chills just saying that and thinking about it um, because you know what he's referring to. And as you go through this journey with him, but yeah, number five, KCF, like Manchester by the Sea, really awesome performance, um, despite the performer.
1: I will save my thoughts.
0: All right. All right. Let's hear your number five.
1: So if we had one president, we have to have a first lady. And that first lady is Natalie Portman as Jacqueline Kennedy in Jackie. Very nice. Yes. Very nice. Um, This is a totally different side of Jackie. We get to hear. I'm I'm assuming most of it is probably a mixture of fiction and real in terms of her thoughts, but we get to hear how she feels after the death of her husband. It's a very I will say like Casey Affleck's performance and same year as well. It's a coping mechanism for this character because we only know Jackie Kennedy more as a, I will say a silent figure in JFK's life. We know that she had a great sense of fashion. She had a nice family life. Um, her cousins being the Beals of Great Gardens. Um, but we don't really know about how she feels after His death. And in this film, we get to see it. We get to see her even getting on the plane. Blood still on her face. (sighs) And Natalie Portman just having to look at herself in the mirror and saying, my God, this literally just happened. And uh, Brett was actually there with me when we saw this, because we saw this at a very advanced screening of the film before Mm -hmm. anybody else. And even there, I was like, she's winning the Oscar. Unfortunately, she did not. (sighs) You should. Have. This is the tale for another podcast. <laughs> but it is a performance that sticks with me to this day. I love it so much. I haven't seen it in so long. And I really need to get back to seeing it because, again, it is one that sticks in your head. I like that we get to learn about Jackie, not so much her presidential life. Like we don't get to see Lincoln's life. We don't get to see Jackie's life in the White House. We get to see a glimpse of that. But it's mostly... Here's what you do after tragedy strikes. Like, how do yeah. you recover from this? Especially when that tragedy was in front of the entire world. Yes.
0: Yeah, it's almost like a justice picture for Jackie Kennedy, who you know hasn't really gotten the exploration or consideration that she deserves over time. Um, Oz awesome performance. I, I agree. I'm going to save my thoughts. I'll end it with that. Ooh. <laughs> okay my number four is a f- from a film that came out in 2018 it is one that was completely shafted by most of the awards and that is tony collette in hereditary i love tony collette i've discovered the last couple years i love her in the sixth sense i love her in knives out Honestly, I think she should be getting more consideration for Best Supporting Actress this year. I don't know if she'd make my lineup or not, but she's close. Hereditary is the best I've seen from her. And um, one of the best horror performances I've ever seen. I mean, Lupita's up there too. But Toni Collette just does so much with this role that there's a lot of great horror performances out there this just goes above and beyond. I mean, you, she's a concerned parents, um, the mother who is struggling with all these different things going on, the loss of her mom and then spoiler alert, her daughter. Um, and then all this paranormal crap happening. We all talk about um, the scene, you know, I am your mother. One of the best acted scenes of the decade, undoubtedly Uh, But just the image of her like shaking in fright at the image of her son. She sees this image of him covered in like bugs or whatever. Um, Just her expression there is is, it terrifies me just to see that still. And then we get to see kind of her descent as the film goes along her struggle to maintain sanity um, in the face of everything going on. You know what you could take the paranormal aspects out and this would be a great film about like recovery and her performance would not really recovery, but dealing with, like you said, a tragic loss. Um, and hopefully it would have gotten the attention it deserved if that happened, but either way it didn't, despite being one of the best of the decade. Number four, Tony Collette in hereditary.
1: That's for you Zay. Exactly. It's Cause yes. they love that performance. Oh, yeah. And I like that performance. It took me, sadly, it took me three times watching Hereditary to like the movie. But, I mean, the performance is really great. And especially, like you said, that dinner scene. Mm-hmm. The whole I Am Your Mother thing. But, yeah, I can understand why it's on your list. Because I know you really loved it last... two, oh got two years ago. Oh, my God.
0: Yeah, isn't I that believe? wild?
1: 2019. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I look at this movie... Less paranormal, I mean, obviously it's paranormal, duh, but less paranormal and more the breaking apart of a family after tragedy. Yes. Because
0: that's what- a family drama first.
1: Yeah. At the heart of it, it is a family tragedy, and then you throw in some spooky shit. Yep. So. Exactly.
0: All right. Let's hear your number four.
1: Well... I'm going to do my best impression of this British Prime Minister because my number four pick is the 2011's Viola Davis in the help. I knew that was coming. (laughs) (laughs) Little one. This is on my list. Yes, it is the second uh, in my list. I have one earlier than this, though, that really impacted me. Like, I saw this in December of that year on DVD, and then the next month it was nominated. She was nominated, and everybody was like, Ooh, she's gonna win, she's gonna win, she's gonna win. So I rewatched it, and I'm like, You know what? Good, great performance. Mm -hmm. And even reading the book years later, I have to tell myself she really captured this character well. The character of Abelene Clark, she is, of course, uh, the help, a maid to a very meek woman who doesn't see the issues of being so morally vile to Abilene and who's friends with a woman who is pretty much pure evil. Of course, this is all in the South during the civil rights era when a lot of people were expected this way. Um, You are a godless woman. It's hilly, I must say. (laughs) But the performance of Viola Davis, again, it's subtle when it needs to be when she is working But it is powerful when she's with Emma Stone telling her side of the story, telling her life. And you point out that last scene saying that her son always said there'd be a writer in the family. And that's when she gets, I mean, spoiler when she gets essentially fired Mm -hmm. and then leaves. Like that's, ah, that's a great ending because that is the ending scene too. And you was kind, you was smart, you was important. Mm -hmm. There's so much in that too. I mean, because she even says this is her last child, and she had raised, like, nine other children before. And keyword is there. She raised, not the parents raised. Yes. All these little kids grew up to love her. But then as time went on, they learned that she was just another help. Mm-hmm. Like, and what will Mae Mobley think? That's the little girl, her last little girl that she helps raise. Like, I love this performance so much. Again, she really captures the character, because I read the book. So...
0: Yeah. What I does she so say? She lost too. I know. I mean, I, I honestly haven't seen that Meryl Streep performance, but I've, I've heard enough people say that Meryl Streep didn't win an Oscar to believe in just how powerful this role is and how much she deserved it. Um, What is it she says to the little girl's mom as she's walking out? She says something like you give her a chance or something like that. I, and and stuff, even that, yeah
1: but it's because (sighs) yeah because her mother hasn't been has pretty much neglected her for her exactly like three years
0: yeah and she's like legitimately concerned about this young girl feeding back into that system that you know she starts as a nice young child and grows up to be hateful racist white woman Mm -hmm. um that keeps feeding the system so yeah very nice Okay, moving into my top three. This one might actually be a little surprising to you based on our previous podcast, but this is also from 2012, and it is Joaquin Phoenix in The Master. Oh. yeah, I, I got to do a little explaining here because when we recorded our 2012 podcast, I, I gave my number one to Daniel Day-Lewis. It's crazy what time does to you. I've been thinking about it and I just ever since and I cannot get this Joaquin Phoenix performance out of my head. And even with like Bradley Cooper that year, I just keep thinking you know, as Joaquin Phoenix keeps winning these awards for Joker and whatnot, I just keep thinking back to his performance for The Master. So maybe it's this recency thing coming in, hmm. but this is honestly one of the best performances of the decade. I keep watching clips from it, especially that processing scene between him and Philip Seymour Hoffman. It really doesn't get a whole lot better than that. Um, He really, I said I like when people create these characters from the ground up, and he really does that with Freddie Quell, who is a character that is pretty mysterious throughout the film. We get bits and pieces about him, but there's still a lot that's pretty unknown. A man who's lost his place and is kind of dealing with this post-war world and looking for direction and never really finds it in the way he needs to but Joaquin Phoenix um and it's crazy because it's not that Freddie Quell is a terribly likable character either Mm -hmm. um but yeah I love it I think he's great here I'm not gonna say that Daniel Day-Lewis didn't deserve the Oscar I mean he was incredible as Lincoln uh but Joaquin Phoenix his that performance has definitely stood these last seven years stood the test of time um, and has actually gotten a lot better in my book. So that's my number three. Wow.
1: Where was he on your plate? Do you remember where he was on your placements when we did the 2012
0: second or third? I can't remember if I had him or Bradley in second. That's Ooh. those three were just so yeah, such great performances and, that was my first time seeing the master since the first time when I hated it and this time I loved it and so I think it's just taken time to realize how much I appreciate it. Yeah.
1: That's the performance where I think many of the fans of him go back to. Yeah. And I'm thinking now of the prison scene where him and Philip Seymour Hoffman are there and he yeah. laughs at, at the toilet and the fun fact on that is like that toilet was a historical landmark within the already historical building and when he broke it they're like oh shit (laughs) oh my god sorry about that (laughs) Ooh, that's not good no good performance though interesting choice my personal favorite pick in that is philip seymour hoffman but
0: yeah you can go back and forth with those two they're great he's great too so very nice all right let's hear your number three
1: All right, my number three is a performance that needs needs no dialogue. And it is Sally Hawkins in The Shape of Water, a performance in a movie that both overwhelmed me to the nth degree. Um, She plays Eliza Esposito. She is a mute woman who works in a government facility, let's say, who befriends an amphibian fish man. And the basic premise of the film is that she falls in love with this creature, but at the same time also has the stamina to stand up to the big man, get that fish man out of there and save him and sort of just like save herself. She finds somebody who can really interact with her. This this thing can't talk. She can't talk, but together they like form a pretty good friendship. Um, This is my personal pick for Best Actress of 2017. Like Brett said, uh, Frances McDormand ended up winning for Three Billboards. We have Shearsha for Lady Bird, but this is like, even though there's no dialogue in it, it's the facial expressions. I'm all about a facial expression that can move me to tears. And especially Mm -hmm. that scene where she's commenting to her neighbor that they need to help this thing because who is going to help her if she's the only one who can understand him it is a male species. <laughs> and she knows it's a male species. There's a sex scene.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. That part's so good. I mean, the whole film is so good. It's a lovely film. It is not just the one about a woman falling in love with a fish. Stupid people listening and disagreeing that she'd have won best picture. But yeah, there you go.
0: Yeah. I, I knew this was going to be on your list. Um, it it is, yes, it is a really great performance. It was also, it was one of those like Saoirse that was on my list at one time and what a year, what a year. I mean, that performance is so great also because like, I remember reading a lot about, um, having a character with a disability and have like a sexual life in a film and have it fully presented like that. Mm -hmm. It was really kind of cool. Um, And yeah, she, I think she would have been my pick for Best Actress that year as well. Really tight race between her and Saoirse. And Frances McDormand was really good too. I mean, like, I thought Frances McDormand was great. Those two performances were just even better. Um,
1: I just love love a performance where you don't have to talk and you can give me all the damn emotions. And even not having her moments where she is signing and there's subtitles on the bottom of the screen where I know what she is thinking. I know Mm -hmm. what she's feeling, and I know what she wants to say to other people.
0: Yeah. I love that dance scene too. Oh, that's like, Oh,
1: I mean, that's like the brief moment where I don't think it's Sally Hawkins voice though. But yeah, yeah. That's a very interesting scene. And it's like, it comes out of nowhere. And I remember my audience was like, "Huh," but I was like, Oh, this is kind of beautiful.
0: (laughs) It's beautiful. Very much so. All right, getting into my top two. I have to say just a brief bit, like my top five, three through five, you can jumble around any day. It'll probably change. But my top two have been pretty locked for a while.
1: Oh, I'm so scared.
0: (laughs) I've already mentioned one film from 2018 that was completely screwed by the the, uh, awards. The other one that should have won in a landslide was Bradley Cooper for A Star is Born. This is... I still cannot get over this performance and I think I'm a little bit influenced by the fact that he didn't win those awards because I mean Bradley Cooper's a guy he's put in his dues he's been nominated what four or five different times, had some really good performances. This was his time. He was amazing. He completely just captures what it's like to be to face addiction um, to have someone there to kind of help you along with it but also to put them in an interesting situation as well. Um, I really just enjoyed his interpretation of this character. I really appreciated how he adapted his voice to play this character. If you haven't seen, I think it's either, it's either Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon. He like basically talks about how he had to literally change his voice and how he actually struggled to get it that low and com- do it consistently, not just while singing or acting, but while singing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Did I mention his talents as a singer? learned to play guitar, sang for this film, and did a really great job with both of those. But at the end of it, what it comes down to is not those scenes, but once again, the more quiet scenes where he's either alone with Lady Gaga or alone with his thoughts. We get to kind of see his struggle, which is very, very sad, Um, all kind of leading up to his breakdown in um, the rehab center with Lady Gaga, which is probably his best scene in the film where he is just entirely vulnerable as a performer. Let's go. Um, and I really, I can't say enough about Bradley Cooper in this role. He's amazing. I wish he got more support for it. And because of it, I just, I can't wait to see what it, what he does next. I hope he gets there someday. So that's my number two.
1: Good pick. And I'm actually, I'm, I'm actually surprised that it's, he's on there for you, but at the same time I should have known you were you were gaga over him last year.
0: Uh, yeah. But no, even,
1: even the moments where he's like totally intoxicated that whole scene at the Grammy Awards, yes, and like the subsequent scenes, the rehab scenes, his singing, God, it's all so good. And to think, too, that most of it, he's also directing himself in this
0: exactly. exactly.
1: Like I know a lot of actors can do that, but it's just impressive. when you can, accomplished both equally for the first time and for the first time too like equally impressive
0: yeah got shafted for best director too but that's a conversation for a different day i guess for a different podcast episode for a different podcast yeah
1: let's see he played a drunk and you could see his torturous pain who did he win against i guess a man wearing
0: false teeth (laughs) Oh, I have never been so pissed at the Oscars, I don't think. Oh, that hurts. Uh, Anyway, I'm guessing Rami Malek is not your number two.
1: Well, surprise, surprise. (laughs) No, it is uh, another quiet role, one that we've spoken about, Casey Affleck in Manchester by the Sea. Really, like Bradley Cooper, it is a man who is torn apart. You see, I mean, this ain't a feel-good role at all. There's no moment of, Hey, this man, you know what? Maybe he will be happy. No, that's not going to happen. You know what happened to his children. They died in a fire. His relationship ended his, his brother's dead. And now he has to take care of his nephew. What more could happen in this poor man's life? Okay. But Casey Affleck, again, the man is, we don't speak about him. But the performance itself is terribly good. Like, I cried in the police interrogation scene over what happened that night when his kids ended up dying. Again, he's not like... He has his own personal troubles, which is a totally different topic. But the performance here is just brilliant, I must say. Yeah. Yeah. Very, again, it's a very subtle performance. As we said, subtle, quiet as hell. You don't get a whole lot of talking out of him. You just know what he's thinking. And sometimes you don't even know what he's thinking. Like he's, let's just say he's like, he feels more anxious and doesn't want to be around people. Cause there's a scene where his nephew invites him into the house that he's at with his girlfriend. And he's like, Oh, I don't really want to go in. I'm fine. Let's just get going. But then he's forced to go in and it just is totally an awkward situation for him there.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. The movie's a great example of how editing can enhance a performance because we see him in the film and we get to thinking like maybe he's always been like this, mm-hmm. you know, just very quiet, a little antisocial. But the way the film kind of flashes back to what happened and seeing that he was this really upbeat, lively guy who was very charismatic and had a lot of friends and just it really helps you to understand the impact of that event on him. I really feel for it.
1: So life was good for him at one point.
0: Yeah. All right. We have entered number one territory. My number one. I know what it is. I, I know what I, it I, is. I, I lied to you early today. Of course, it's Natalie Portman.
1: Oh, I didn't think it was that.
0: <laughs> what did you think?
1: Well. Earlier, you said I thought you said something about Leo having two performances on your list.
0: Oh no, between leading and supporting because he was in my supporting gotcha. list. Gotcha,
1: okay, because yeah. I was thinking the Revenant, and that
0: was going to ah. No, no, it's Natalie Portman. I I give it to her both for Black Swan and Jackie. This uh, is what you meant by that. Okay. Yes, I I totally lied. I'm sorry. I had to I had to keep the suspense um christian asked i told christian i was gonna have a performance with two or an actor with two performances on this list and he's like is it natalie and i'm like no no you liar it was <laughs> no i just saw black swan for the first time a couple weeks ago completely blown away by it um her ability to adopt the persona of a 20 year old striving for per- for perfection and the dangers that come with that and the anxiety and the paranoia that comes about because of that in a very strange film. She was unbelievable. If I had to pick one or the other, though, I think I leaned towards Jackie, the one that she didn't win the award for. Um, because when I saw that, I loved it immediately. But then I went home and I watched the video of Jackie Kennedy you know, giving the tour of the White House and saw just how much she reflected her. Not just in the sense of a impersonation, because we've also got that fictional stuff where she really dives deep into the mind of Jackie Kennedy and what goes on. But every scene is wonderful. Some people take issue with the accents. I think it's great. I think that is one of the most difficult accents that an actress could pull off, and she did it. Um, Yeah, the scene after that you mentioned after the assassination is just heartbreaking any moment where she's talking to the journalist whether it's tears or annoyance with this person um, she hits every single note and when I got to think about this list I was like okay Bradley my number one Natalie how can I ignore with what Natalie did with these two performances this decade Um, which both are worthy of being the number one and so she really came up after the prequels, Star Wars prequels, and really made a great career after, out of it after that. And so she is my number one.
1: Very nice. Well, my number one, wow, is Natalie Portman.
0: Ah, I wondered. Yes, I wondered.
1: In Black Swan. This was, I'm pretty confident, my first true hardcore R-rated adult film. I made my dad take me to it right after Ooh. yeah, right after school one day. And we were there, and I'll never forget, he was like, there was some weird guy sitting behind this girl, and he kept moving closer to her, Christian. <laughs> we saw it on the former Glenwood Theater. And mm. if you are a listener in our local region of Kansas City, you'll know the former Glenwood location. But yes, um, this performance really moved me. I was one of the first people in my class have seen this. And I kept telling, like I do with Marriage Story, I kept recommending people to somehow see it, even though none of us could get into it because it was a hard rated R film. But it's so, it's, I had only known Natalie Portman pretty much from Star Wars. It is a totally different film from Star Wars. It is her, I know she's already done adult roles, even as a kid, because she did Leon the Professional, which is a very mature role. But this is as dark as she's ever gotten before. Mm -hmm. Okay. I dreamed last night I danced the salon. Like, (laughs) she's dark. She's twisted. We don't really know what's up with her for the most part of this film. It's part mystery, part horror. It's very psychological. You never once really feel compassion for her. You really feel more, this girl needs some help. Like, this is just ballet. But to her, this is her life. And she slowly descends into madness because of this. Because she wants the lead. She wants the perfection. Which is like the biggest thing for her too. She wants to be perfect. Yes. That ending is very ambiguous. I mean, I, I still think it's very ambiguous to this day. But no, this performance literally made me cheer. Like, I remember rooting for this all of December january when she got nominated for the oscar and i was like i've seen this role i've seen this movie go her yeah yeah but i mean for her to have for you two performances in one for your number one and she's the only person to have two on my list for two great roles like she's doing good
0: yeah for sure I know, I mean, she's had her rough patches, Lucy in the Sky, I didn't see it, but I heard it wasn't very good, but I feel like, you know, anytime Natalie Portman shows up, I'm I'm just, I'm at least very interested, mm-hmm. um, because of what she's done with these two roles, and so, she's great, I could see her winning another one one day, but yeah, very nice. Okay, how about we dive into some honorable mentions, I don't know about you, I have a ton. <laughs> Like well, I um, told you I made a list of 25. Yeah, yeah. Mine probably equals out to about that as well. Um, Jake Gyllenhaal, Nightcrawler, really should have been nominated. Sally Hawkins, Shape of Water, like you mentioned. Searsha for Brooklyn and Lady Bird. Rooney Mara for Girl with the Dragon Tattoo would probably be my number two to uh, Viola that year. Uh, Julianne Moore for Still Alice. I know a lot of people are kind of so so on that one. I think that was a great best actress win. But Rosamund Pike was also great that year. So she made my honorable mentions as well. Uh, Andy Serkis for the three Planet of the Apes movies. That man deserves some love from the Oscars. Daniel Kaluuya for Get Out. Olivia Coleman for The Favorite, which you had as supporting. Um, Charlize Theron for Mad Max Fury Road. Ralph Fine, Ray Fines for the Grand Budapest Hotel, David Oyelowo for Selma, Julie Delpy from Before Midnight. Ooh. Yeah. And last but not least, five uh, five minutes of some of the best acting I've ever seen is Tom Hanks at the end of Captain Phillips. Didn't quite make my list. He was right there. That last five minutes is absolutely incredible. So there's my honorable mentions.
1: Okay. So, my honorable mentions are, let's see. I have Colin Firth in The King's Speech. I mean, I do like that performance. It's very It's a good performance. Every time I see another interpretation of King George, especially like in The Crown, I'm always comparing it back to Colin Firth. <laughs> yeah. So, um Daniel Kaluuya in Get Out, Bradley Cooper in The Stars Born, Logan Lerman in The Perks of Being a Wallflower. Mm. Yeah. yeah. um Rosamund Pike, Gone Girl, Leo for Wolf of Wall Street. One that was not mentioned and you watched recently, Payman Moadi for A Separation.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: Great performance there. Um, very nice. Jean Dujardin in The Artiste.
0: Yes. Very Another nice.
1: silent performance. David Diggs in Blind Spotting. You mentioned Jake Gyllenhaal Nightcrawler. One that I. Hated this movie, but the performance is good. Is Michael Keaton in Birdman.
0: Kate
1: mm, yeah. uh, Blanchett and Bruni Mara and Carol. And my best friend, Julianne. Julianne Moore in Phil Alice.
0: <laughs> she liked her tweet. All right. Very nice. So thank you once again for tuning in to listen as we've covered our top 10 favorite leading acting performances from this decade. What this means is that we've got only one more episode in our series counting down some of the best aspects of film this decade. Um, So be looking out for our best films of the 2010s. But before that, we will have Zay back on to count down our top 10 films of this year of 2019. Um, Another thing to be looking out for is we are going to expand this out to a bunch of different categories and post about it on our website. So if you want to see our winners from some of the other categories like costume design or best cinematography of the decade be sure to keep an eye out for that as well and as always uh, if you could follow us on facebook twitter instagram letterbox gildedfilms.com all the social media Um, theme music was composed by joshua arnoldi and once again rate review subscribe on apple Podcasts wherever you listen thanks so much again to those who have done that for us already christian any final thoughts from you
1: a hell of a bunch of good
0: acting here. Yes, very much so.
1: And I will say once this is out, once everybody listens to it, I most likely will post my list of this. Plus, I also did another list where I separated them into acting actors and actresses. Nice. So there, I, there's probably a little bit more in depth there, especially amongst the actresses, because a lot of my honorary
0: mentions were actors. So, Yeah, very nice.